You are listening to the podcast of Anthem Church in Columbia, Missouri. For more information, visit us online at anthemcolumbia.com. Thanks, Todd. I, guys, I am I'm super excited about, uh, about what's coming up in, in the future of our church and in this family. Um, the, the building is going to be awesome. We know that, that uh, church isn't just about a building, but it's funny how, how many times people, we've already been talking about, man, when we get the building, we can do this. And when we get the building, you know, youth group's going to be like this and this, you know, and, and these different things. So there's, there's a lot happening and there's a lot to be excited about, um, as, as you can tell. Um, and, and it's interesting as we think about future, as we think about different things, that's, that's kind of what what James is talking about as we continue through the book of James. We're in James chapter 4, so if you have your Bibles, we've been looking through the the book of James. That's what we do here at Anthem is we just take one book of the Bible and we just kind of walk through it uh, methodically and and, uh, just unpack it and, and try and figure out what does God have for us in this, in this space. And, and uh, James chapter 4, 13 through 17, James is really asking the question, how do we approach our life? How do we look at our future? How do we, how do we go forward with things? Because there, there is, and I think this is a question that is so relevant for today, because we live in a world of constant change. We, we, we look at life. I don't, know if, I don't know about you, but as I was thinking through this and reading through this passage over the past few weeks, I, there was a couple different things that popped up in my mind where it's like, man, this is how, yeah, this is how I've seen some people approach their future, their lives. Like for me, the way, the way I tend to approach my life and my future is not, I, it's not what I would recommend. It's not like, this is how you should do it. Um, but at the same time, I was thinking about how like, it, it's kind of, the way I approach my future is kind of uh, like the way I approach my vacations. Not that I'm like, oh, it's going to be awesome when this happens, but it's like, oh, we're going on vacation tomorrow. I should maybe do something. Like, um, we, my wife and I, we, a couple years ago, we got to go to Mexico, which was awesome. Um, and it was beautiful. And somebody like, was just like, Hey, here's, here's my, our condo at this resort. You can just have it and go and, and spend some time. Um, and so we we're like, that's, that's awesome. So we went to Mexico and, and they told us, they're like, Hey, when, but whenever you get off the plane, just go right through the airport. Don't like, there's going to be all these people trying to sell you stuff, trying to reel you in. Just, just go right right through get in get in your car go to the resort but but we got off the we got off the plane we started walking through the airport and there's just so much going on I don't know if you've ever been in that situation there was so much happening and so much coming at us that like people were showing us pictures of all the things we could do of all these excursions and and throwing out prices and and before before I knew it we were in a conversation with this guy and he was showing us all these different things we could do and it's like wow that sounds awesome and before it was like it just Boom, everything happens so fast. Then it's like we're signing things and, and handing cash. And, and it's like, and then, and then he's like, oh, this is all the things you're going to get to do. And, and it's like, oh, okay, how much? Okay, here. You know, it's just like too much is going on. And then, and then as, uh, as he was talking, it's like, okay, we're going to come pick you up at your resort tomorrow. But the resort people don't like us, so you can't tell them what's going on. It's like, Okay, that seems normal, right? Uh, and then he's like, and 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 we can't we can't actually we can't actually drive into your resort, so so you have to get out of your resort, and we'll pick you up on the highway. 
but don't tell, don't tell anybody what's happening. And, and there's like, there were these like security people at the gate of our resort, and they're like, don't tell the security people what's going on either. Just, just tell them you're going into town or something. And it's like, okay, so let me, let me get this straight. We just gave you cash, and you're going to pick us up tomorrow, but we can't tell anybody that you're picking us up, and we can't tell the security people that you're going to pick us up along the highway. Okay, yeah, that sounds great. Let's, let's do it. So, so the next morning, and we ended up, I think we told somebody, and, and it was this big, long, lot longer story, but, but we ended up, we, we got through the security. I don't know what we told them. I don't think it was quite a lie, but we probably repented. Um, and, and so then we got out to the highway, and it was kind of one of those, and it wasn't just like a little road. This is a four-lane highway with a median in the middle, and we were just kind of standing there like, What? <laughs> where are we? This is like we're in Mexico waiting for somebody. So, so we just stood there on the highway, and then, and then we saw this van that was parked off on the shoulder, like facing the other direction, like we had to cross and go over there. And then the window rolls down, and all we see is this. So it's like nobody else is standing here. So we, we went over to the van, and, and he said something that kind of sounded like Hedinger. I mean, Hedinger's a hard name to say even for somebody who speaks English. But it's like, yeah, that, I mean, that kind of sounded like our name. So why not? Let's get in the van and go with this strange person where nobody knows we're going to go in Mexico. But it, it all worked out. And I'm still here, and we're still alive. And so praise God. And we had this awesome experience. And at times... Like, that's, that's how we approach our lives. That's how we approach future. You know, who knows? So let's just, let's just go into it. On the other hand, I was thinking about my, uh, a good friend of mine who, uh, a few years ago, God just really got a hold of his life and started changing things and started, started doing some awesome stuff in his life. And, and in the midst of that, he really felt as though God was calling him into youth ministry. And it just felt it super strong. And yet as he was thinking about what that meant, as he was thinking about all the things that, that, would, that he would have to do as he started to count the cost of what ministry would mean and what it would look like, he, he kept telling me, he's like, but Luke, I have my future planned out. I have my plans. I know what I'm going to do. I know what I'm going to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to school. I'm going to get a business degree. I'm going to go back home. I'm going to take over my dad's business. And, and that's like, I like that life. I like my plans, and what God is trying to do with me, it feels like a square peg going into a round hole, and it doesn't fit because I have everything planned out. And what James is saying is he's saying, look, no matter how you approach your life, God has a desire for you in that. And he's asking the question, I think he's getting us to ask the question and say, okay, yeah, how do I approach my future? How do I approach my life? And that's what James is asking us, and I think that's what he's going to answer. So as we look through this, I, I'm not going to give you the answer until we get to the end, so you have to stay tuned, right? But, but as, we, as we get into this, let's just ask that question. How do I approach my future? What does that look like for me? In James chapter 4, verse 13, he, he says this, come now. You who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. Okay, let's, let's just stop there. First of all, what we see James doing, he, he uses this Greek phrase that's very common in Greek literature at the time. This, this come now. It's, it's, this, it's this phrase that was supposed to be abrupt. It was supposed to be abrasive. This is not, this is not kind of the like, hey, Jeremy. Come now, you know, like my, my arm around his, his neck saying, come on, buddy, come on, let, let, let's look at this, come on. This is, this is more like what you would do to your, to your kid as they run out into the parking lot. 
right? This is, hey, come now. Like, everybody, like, whoop, everybody just looked up. I wasn't expecting that. That's what, yeah, that's what James is doing. He's saying, look, maybe I've been losing you at this point in my letter. As I've been writing to you, we've been talking about all these different things, and James doesn't mince words. He's, he's super direct, and I love the book of James. And at this point in it, he's saying, come now. You who say you, the, the today or tomorrow will go into a city, he's, he's saying, look, you need to look at what you're doing. You need to stop. You need to get your head up, and you need to look around, and you need to take assessment of what your life is. Take assessment of, of how you are approaching your future, your life, because there are things that we need to know that James is saying, come now. You who are doing this or that. He's saying, come now, you who say today or tomorrow will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit. What he's not saying, he's not saying we shouldn't plan. He's not saying that, which that would be awesome for me, like my new life verse, right? Uh, he's not saying that. There, there are plenty, plenty of, of verses, tons of verses in Scripture that talk about how we should plan, and that's a good thing. He's not, he's not talking about the, the evils of making money. Again, did you see there? He's saying we spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Their goal was profit. And he's not saying, oh, it's, it's bad to have money. It's bad, like riches are bad. It, that's evil. He's not saying that. What he is saying is he's saying there's a problem when we make plans void of the authority of God in our lives. When we make plans as though God doesn't exist, when we make plans as though God doesn't have any desire for our destination, there's a problem with that. And see, their focus was profit. And profit seemed to be this thing that started to drown out everything else. It was the thing that they focused on. And I think you can fill, fill the blank with, with anything else there. For them, it was profit. For you, it might be, it might be that school. It might be that GPA, it might be that person, maybe marriage for you, that's the, that's the thing, that that's, that's where your map is heading, that's the destination. Maybe for you it's comfort, maybe for you it's, it's retirement. The, the, everything's planned, I, I heard a guy uh, speaking this past week and he said that the important things in our lives are the things that get the plans. Like if whatever it is on your map, the, the X marks the spot where it's like everything's moving to this place. Everything's moving to that. And what James is saying, if that, if your destination has no direction from God, then you are in a dangerous spot. That's the problem. That's what he's saying. Come now. Stop. Get your head up. Look around. Look at what you're doing. Because then he goes into a couple different reasons why this is so important. He says, first of all, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. He's saying, you, you're talking about a year from now. You're talking about profit, and profit's what you're, what you're running for. Maybe it's relationship or all these different things. And yet you don't even know what tomorrow will bring. I, such an awesome example of this is, is Jason North. Jason and Kezi is here this morning. Jason and Kezi. Jason, a lot of you know Jason. Jason was uh, just sitting right back here last Sunday playing drums, doing an awesome job. He was here early helping us set up. Uh, all, like, Jason's awesome. And then after, after the service, he was at the, the chili kickoff, the turkey bowl, which, by the way, was awesome. And we had some really good food. And 
That's not what I'm talking about right now, though. So stay on, stay on track. Um, so so he, he came to the turkey bowl, and I was hanging out with him. We were just talking and having a good old time. And then, and then on Wednesday morning, I think it was, we, I was sitting in the office, and Christina Red, one our uh, uh, women's lead for, for Salt Company, she said, yeah, did you hear Jason has cancer? And it was just like, no, like, what? Jason, I mean, Jason's what, 32, 33, 30 what? 31, 31 years old. He, he found out, I think it was Tuesday, he found out he had cancer. By, by Wednesday, he had a surgery in the morning. They found a bunch of blood clots. Uh, Thursday, or, uh, Wednesday night, they had another surgery to remove the mass in his colon, which by the grace of God, I mean, things are, things are going well. Um, it, it looks like they're, they're still, last I heard, they're still doing some testing to see if some different spots, what's going on there. But it, it sounds like things are going really well. But I think it's an incredible illustration to say, look, you don't know what tomorrow will bring. You could be like Jason, 31 years old, playing drums one morning, two days later, three days later, having multiple surgeries because you just found out at the age of 31 you have cancer. See, that, that is life, isn't it? A, a, a guy, John Allen Palos, I have the quote up, up here. He's, a, he's this famous mathematician, which I have never heard of him before. I was reading this article, and they referenced him. But I don't, I don't know if he's a believer or not, but he says, Uncertainty is the only certainty there is. And knowing how to live with insecurity is the only security. See, what, what John Allen Palos is actually saying is what James is saying. He's saying, look, there is no security in your tomorrow. Guys, we live in a culture where not only are there, you know, who knows what's going to happen with our health. We don't know what's going to happen with, like, China or North Korea or economy. We don't, we don't even know. I mean, the, the elections were just, was that last week or the week before? Two weeks ago. I don't, I don't know. Everybody's like, I don't know. <laughs> hopefully you voted. I mean, we didn't really talk about that, but hopefully you got out and voted. So if you didn't, I guess there's always next time. But, uh, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago... A couple weeks ago, we had, the, we had the election. I'm so sick of hearing about Florida recounting ballots. They still don't know who their elected officials are going to be. That's crazy to me, right? I, I think it just all illustrates the fact that we don't know what tomorrow will bring. Guys, like, I, I asked my daughter if it was okay if I shared this, like, like, my, my uh, wife took my kids up to Minneapolis. My daughter had a kidney liver transplant about five and a half years ago. And uh, they, they went up and to, just for, for uh, uh, a kind of a checkup. And um, the kidney doctor, everything, I mean, everything's looking good. But the kidney doctor mentioned that she was concerned with some of the levels that are coming back that the kidney functions aren't where they should be. And, you know, just this idea that, you know, it's possible that, you know, sometime in, in the future, we might have to have another kidney transplant. You know, and she's, she's doing great now, but, but when I heard that, it just kind of sent me into like a tailspin. Where I was just like, God, I don't know if I'm ready for that. I, I don't want to see my little girl go through that again. I don't, I don't want to have to, and, and it's, it's so interesting how fear just takes over and how, how these different things, and really it's this idea that we don't know what tomorrow will bring. And so James is saying, hey, come now. You don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Don't, don't, don't factor into your plans and say, well, this is going to be my destination without the desires of God being factored in, without the reality of God being factored in. He says, not only do you not know what tomorrow is going to bring, you don't know if you're going to be there to enjoy it. He goes on to say in, in verse 14, what is your life? 
For you are a mist that appears a little time and then vanishes. You are a mist that appears, we, we've used this before, but I think it's a good illustration. Like, what James is saying is he's saying, look, this is who you are. There we go, right? I didn't get very much out the first time. I think it illustrates the point even better, right? This is what your life is. If you, you see that? Like, your life is, is that short. That held on a little longer. Some of us live longer than others, right? You don't know what tomorrow will be, and you don't know if you'll be there to enjoy it. And yet so many times, like I, I, heard, I was reading one commentary, and he was talking about how our lives are like a sunset. And I love, I love sunrises and sunsets. I just, I get moved out in nature when I see the beauty of God, when I see how, how incredible God is and how he works and moves and how he paints such incredible pictures. And my wife, she knows that, that I love sunsets. And, and I remember one time she, uh, she was coming home and, and she came in real quick and she's like, hey, you got to, like, come with me. Let's go look at the sunset. It's beautiful. I don't know if you've seen it yet. So we jumped in the car and we, we kept trying to find a place where it's like that we could see the whole thing. But by the time we finally found a place she's like ah I mean it's pretty now but you should have seen it just a few minutes ago it's pretty now and and clouds that are made up of mist and water droplets that refract light that make these incredibly beautiful pictures last for moments and that's our life no matter how beautiful of a picture we make, no matter how, how much we strive for, our lives are over in an instant, and then so often they get forgotten because of the darkness of the night that follows. So let's, let's pray and be dismissed. And I mean, that's a little bit depressing. I, my dad, we make fun of him all the time, which that's not, that doesn't sound good, but uh, when we go on vacation with my dad, he says all the time, like, like, how do we bottle this up? Like, that's what his, his most, he loves that, that question. Like, we'll be, we'll be on the beach, and we'll be, in, like, he'll be sitting in a chair, and he'll say, hey, how do we bottle this up? Or we'll, like, the last time we went skiing, we were on, the, on a ski lift going up, looking out at all these mountains, and dad was, like, three chairs in front of us, and all I hear is, how do we bottle this up? The idea is the same, right? This is fleeting. I want to hold on to it. But the more I try and hold on to it, the quicker it slips through my fingers. James is saying, look, when you make your life about anything other than God, then you're making it about mist. And and this is how fast that, that lasts. He says, instead, instead you ought to say, The Lord, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. If the Lord wills. Now, what he's not saying, what he's not saying is, like, if if somebody asks you, hey, you going to go to work today? Well, if the Lord wills, you know, or, hey, hey, you going to come and help set up at, at Anthem Church on Sunday morning and get up early and be here at 10 till 6? Well, if the Lord wills, I'm not going to set my alarm, but, you know, if the Lord wills. I'll be here. Like, yeah, 
okay, right? I mean, I mean that, like we, we try and make it into this Christian cliche, and, but that's not what James is talking about. He's not, he's not saying this like, oh, I'm just going to sit on my bed and wait, wait for God to just come sit with me and say, all right, I filled out your daily planner. Here's what, here's what you're going to be doing. That's not what he's saying, but it's, he's saying, look, we should, we should walk forward into our lives. We should approach our lives with this understanding that we do not have the authority that it takes to make the plans that we want to make. We, we should walk forward understanding that the authority, the ownership is not truly ours, that we are temporary, that we don't have the knowledge that it takes to know what's going to happen tomorrow, and we are temporary, but instead, God does. In, in Psalm 139.16, it says, your eyes saw my unformed substance, in your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them. What the psalmist is saying there is he's saying, look, I don't know what my tomorrow is going to be like, but you do. You've been there. You've written it down. You know what's going to happen before it even, even does, and so therefore I will trust you. Not, not only that, but Isaiah forty twenty eight says this, have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. What James is saying there, or uh, excuse me, what Isaiah is saying there is he's saying, look, you are temporary, you are this, and yet God is a rock. You are missed, God is a rock. You, God is the, is the lighthouse in the, in the storms of your life. The waves are crashing in. You don't know what's going to happen, and yet you see a light in the distance that will not move, it will not change, and it will not be put out. And he's saying, instead, you ought to say, if God wills it. Instead, you ought to say, I'm, I'm open-handed with my plans because God has a, has a, has a desire for my destination. He, he goes on to say, as it is, though, that's what you ought to do. As it is, though, in verse 16, as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. He says you boast as it is. Instead, what you do, what you ought to do is say if God wills, but what you do is you boast. And that, that really means like you, you glory or you make much of. You, you make much of. It's like being like, hey, look at this, everybody. Look at this light. Oh, my goodness, right? It's like you, you glory, you boast. And he says you boast in your arrogance. That word arrogance, it really means empty speech or empty assurance. He says, you glory, you boast in this, in this emptiness. And he says, all such boasting is evil. Evil. Not, not like ill-advised. Not like, hey, I don't know if I would do that if I were you. He says, evil. That, that word, I was looking it up, and it's like, man, it's hurtful. It's wrong. It's, it's malice, malicious. It's It's wrong. And I wonder if, if your plans and your actions reflect the knowledge that we are missed or if you walk around boasting in your emptiness and your arrogance with a hurtful outcome. It, it reminded me of the story of the, uh, the emperor's new clothes. You guys remember this story? The, this story, um, yeah, there you go. The, you, guys, you guys remember this, right? That picture is to jog your memory. I, I remember as a kid this story of the emperor's new clothes like this, uh, and I'll, I'll give you my version, right, in a nutshell. Um, but like what I remember, this guy, we, we, there was this emperor that, that always liked to kind of, you know, strut around and peacock and um, I don't know if I'm saying that word in the right context, but, uh, you know, like, like make much of himself. 
And, and he always liked to have the best things and the newest, newest clothes and the newest cars and, and the newest iPhone. And he, he always liked to, to be able to make much of himself. And he'd have parades where he'd be like, hey, everybody, come look how good I am, right? And he'd have this parade and he'd, he'd walk through the middle so everybody can be like, oh, man, you're awesome. And then one day these two guys come and they say, Emperor, we, we know, like, your, your reputation we know your reputation. We're from a faraway land. We have found a magical material that we would love to, to make into a, a new suit of clothes for you. And he says, oh, by all means, let me see it. And so they bring, out, they, they bring out this, like, they just pretend. And they do this with their arms. And say, oh. And, and the emperor is thinking, what's, what's happening here? What's going on? But before he can say anything, they say, now, now, emperor, we understand that there might be some confusion because this is magical material and only the best people can see it. Only the most special, only the most prominent, only, only the best people can see it. And so the emperor, obviously, he's like, well, that's me. And so he's like, oh, yes, I see. It's beautiful. I can't wait to be to be adorned in this material, you know, and, and he goes, and so they're like, okay, well, we'll start right away, right? You want us to, oh, yes, yeah, start right away. So they start making, you know, pretending like they're making stuff, and, and, and the people in the castle were, were kind of confused, but they heard what the material was supposed to be too, and, and they, they saw the emperor, and they saw his reaction, so they were like, oh, yeah, that's going to be awesome, I guess, and that's going to be great because I can see it too. You can see it, right? Oh, yeah, I can see it. And, and so, like, everybody wanted to go along with this because nobody wanted to be left out. And then the day came, and everybody was like, hey, gather around. Come see the emperor's new clothes. Come, like, come gather around. And so the emperor marched out fully adorned in his underwear because he thought he had this, this clo- these clothes on, and he walks out, and there's the, everybody's around. And, and for a second, there was a hush over the crowd thinking, what? what's going on here but then the, the everybody started to murmur and say oh yeah those are the clothes where only the most special people can see him right oh yeah I see him I'm special oh I see him I'm prominent oh I see him I'm on the same level I, I, we're, we're all there right everybody can say, oh yeah oh good job until a little boy began to snicker began to laugh began to say <laughs> and he said he's in his underwear and then everybody else began to say you know what, you're right. And as they all began to laugh, it dawned on the emperor that he had been taken. And he ran back in shame and in embarrassment. And yet everybody saw, but nobody wanted to say what was actually happening. And I believe, as I, as I read this, it's like, oh, that's what we do on a daily basis when we boast in our arrogance. When we walk around saying, I know what's going to happen tomorrow. I know what my life is. I know, and everybody else is like, oh, yeah, good job. Oh, me too, me too, I know. And so James breaks in and says, hey, come now. You're walking around in your underwear, right? Oh, like we, we realize in that moment, it's like the truth of what James is saying, that's true, that we are this and we realize that when we see people that are too young get cancer, or people that are too young, do, uh, it's like we realize the, how, how fleeting life is. And James is saying, look, but you're, you're walking around, you're boasting in it. It's arrogant and it's evil, it's hurtful. And he ends it with this. He says, verse 17, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. 
So what do we do instead of walking around, instead of parading ourselves out there, instead of, instead of trying to be boastful about these, these empty things? He's saying, look, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, it is sin. I, it's interesting because as, he, as we begin to close out this, this passage and look at this and say, okay, how do I approach my life then? What do I do? There's this tension that James brings out in verse 17. It's kind of tension against verse 14, what we read there. And in verse 14, it says this, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. So there's this knowledge, and he's saying, you're trying to act as though you do know, but you don't know. And in verse 17, he says, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. He's saying, look, you're not acting as though you do know, but you do know. The things that we have no idea what's going to happen, the things about tomorrow where it's like, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You walk proudly and boldly as though you do. And in the areas where it's like, you should know, we're like, oh, I I don't know. I don't know what God wants me to do. I don't know where I'm going to go. I don't know what, I don't know what God has for my life. He's saying that's sin. Guys, guys, when we, when we ask the question, like, what do we know? I think we as Christians, we can, look at, we can look at scripture and we can know certain things. We know that God is in control, right? We know that God is in control, that he is eternal, that he has prepared good works for us to do, that he has sent his son to die on our behalf so that we can have freedom and follow him freely. We know that God is in control, and yet how often do we allow God to speak into the plans of our lives? We know these things, and yet how often do we live as though they're true? I was talking to Kezia just the other day, and she was saying, man, the only thing we really have to do is, is live as though God were real. It's crazy. It's like, yeah, that's true. We have to live, the, like, in my head, oftentimes, it's, it's like, well, if God wills it, and, and not in a way, oh, if God wills it, I'll wake up in the morning. But it's like, if God wills it, I'll go here and I'll do this and I'll be here. But in, with my body, physically, what I often do is I just say, well, I'm going to go here and I'm going to do this and I'm going to make it about these things. I have my life plan. Might not be a good one, but I have my life plan. Oftentimes, with my, with mentally, I believe that God exists, I believe all these things, but physically and practically, I'm an atheist because my actions don't look any different than anybody else who would say that God doesn't exist. And I wonder if that's the same for you. I wonder if that's the same for you this morning. You see, I believe that God has more planned for your mist than just a little bit of profit. God has more planned for your mist than just getting married and having that, having that fairy tale experience. God has more planned for your mist than just to die in a comfortable retirement place and coast into eternity. God has more planned for your mist than that. But when we begin to make plans based on just mist, I believe we'll, we will be as effective and impactful as mist. Instead, C.S. Lewis says it this way. Have it up on the screen. He says, if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were precisely those who thought most of the next. 
It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. What he says again, he says, if you read history, you will find that Christians who did the most for the present world were precisely those who thought the most of the next. The, the people who made the most impacts, the people who, who were about abolishing slavery, the people who, who, who did the most for this life were the people who realized that their lives were missed. And they were people who were saying, God, I don't know what you have for me, but what I see is this, and so I'm going to walk forward in this. Guys, the question is, how do I approach my life? And I believe the answer is we approach our lives knowing that God is in control, and not just knowing, but acting. Like my son all the time, like I'll, I'll tell him something, and he'll say, I know, I know, I know, I know. We find socks around our house all the time. <laughs> and I said, Jackson, pick up your socks. I know. Like, okay, but there's a difference between knowing and doing, right? Lots of times I believe we know, but when it comes to Monday morning, when it comes to our long-term plans, does your life reflect what you actually know? See, I think we have to ask ourselves when, when we think about all these things, well, then what, what is God's will for my life? What, what is God's will? And I think we want to get down to the practical, and, and we, want to, we want to get down to the nitty-gritty. And, and lots of times, though, I would say, well, I, I can't tell you what, your, what God's will is for this specific place and for this specific purpose and person. But I do know the things that, that we know. I, I can tell you the things that we know. Like, do you, do you know what school God wants you to go to? If you, He wants you to go to Michigan State or Ohio State. Do you know that? Do, do you know if he wants you to be a Jayhawk? Nobody wants to be a Jayhawk, right? Few people want to be a Jayhawk. Do, do, do you know if, if he wants to go? No, but we know that we are to approach life without fear. Because God is constant. He is in control, right? We, we know that. Do you, do you know if God wants you to take that job or this one? Maybe not. But we know that greed is sin. And so the question is, what's, what's driving your decisions? Do you know who God wants you to marry? If God wants you to marry well, maybe not, but we can look through scripture and we can see what kind of person God wants you to marry and what that marriage should be like and how you should love your spouse. And even if God doesn't want you to get married, what you should do with your singleness and how you should use your life for his kingdom. That, that marriage is not the end of, the, the chief end of man is not to get married. <gasps> It's not. The chief end of man is to make much of God, is to, is to build his kingdom, not ours. And we know that. Right? Do you know if God wants you to, where God wants you to use your retirement or how God wants you to use it? No, but we know that we are to be good stewards of what we have. We are blessed to be a blessing. Not to be a cesspool of blessing, just like, ah, fill it up. Like a hot tub of blessing. No, it's, we're, we're to be a conduit of blessing. We get it so we can push it on. We can, we can pass it along. See, what James is saying here is he's saying, if you know what you should do and you don't do it, that is sin. So the question is not, okay, well, what's God want me to do here or want me to do there? The question is, are you acting on what you know? Are you approaching your life out of the knowledge that God is in control? We see that all the time in, in the book of Acts. And I love Paul's story. Paul, in, in Acts chapter 16, we see Paul, he's, he's kind of in this, he's in one of his missionary journeys, and he's going from place to place, and what he knows is that God has called him to preach to, to people who don't know Jesus, to the Gentiles, people who aren't Jewish. 
And what he knows, he's, he's in this area around Asia. He's trying to break into Asia. And what he knows, he's, he's like, well, okay, I know there's a lot of people in Asia that don't know about Jesus, and they're not Jewish, so seems like it fits the criteria. So I, I guess, hey, guys, we're going to Asia. But two different times as Paul is trying to go into Asia and do what he thinks God wants him to do, he stopped. And we don't know what that looks like. We don't know. He doesn't say but he stopped from going there. And if, I, if it were me, I think the story would just end there and I'd be like, well, fine, God. I'm just going to sit here because obviously I don't know what you want me to do. But that's not what Paul does. He does know what God wants him to do. He knows that God wants him to preach to the Gentiles. He knows that there are people all over the place who don't know Jesus. So he's like, well, okay, I guess if it's not that place, I, I don't know, I'll try this place. And he does that until God shows him more directly to go to Macedonia, which was in the opposite direction of where he was trying to go. But he wasn't wrong. He just took steps knowing, like, okay, this is what God wants me to do, so I'm going to take a step in this. And, and, guys, the question is for us this morning, how do we approach life? How do we approach life? As a church, how do we approach future we have so many things coming up, and I believe that as, as a church, what, what I want us to do, we know that we are called to be salt and light. We know that we are commissioned to go preach the gospel and make disciples that make disciples that make disciples. We know that's what we're supposed to do. We know that we are to be about justice where we see injustice happening. We know that we are to, to show love to a world full of hate. We know that we are to, to shine our light, to be ambassadors in the darkness. We know that people, that God has us in places and he has our neighbors living beside us because he loves our neighbors. And we know that if God loves our neighbors, we should love our neighbors. We know those things. We know that we're supposed to do those things. We don't know, like I get caught up all, oftentimes in the how and the, and the what and the when and all these different things. Maybe we don't know that. But James is saying, are you, are you willing to let God direct your path? Are you willing as you, as you make your plans, as you fill out your planner, are you willing to take steps in what you know God has called you to do? And let him color in the parts that you don't know? Are you willing in your uncertainty to say, God, I have open hands. I, want, I just want to be a light for you. I, I want to go where people don't know you. And if that's Asia or Macedonia, God, I trust that you're going to lead me in the right direction. And I'm just going to take a step. And I'm going to let you do the rest. That's what James is saying. So again, the question is, how do we approach our lives? And the answer is we approach our lives under the wisdom and knowledge that God is in control. That he has more planned for your missed than just a little bit of profit. Than just than anything else you can do. That's my desire for us as a church. And what we're going to do this morning now, we, we always do, well, often do here at Anthem. We're going to end our time together with communion. And, and as I was thinking about this, like, the, the thing that I desire, like, when, when, when Jesus, on the night before his death, when he brought out the bread and, and the wine, and as they are eating, and as he said, take and eat, 
This is my body broken for you. And as we go to these tables, there's gluten-free in, in the, the front corner and the back corner there for those of you who need that. As we go to these tables and as Jesus instructed, as you break off a piece of the bread, which represents the body that Jesus was given that was broken for you, as we break off a piece of that bread and as we dip it in the cup, as Jesus said, take and drink, this is my, this is my blood which is poured out for you. And as we take that bread and as we dip it in the cup and as we take, I believe what Jesus was saying at that night so many years ago was he saying, hey, follow me into this new covenant. Will you follow me into the places that I'm asking you to go? Will you, will, you, will you take this? Will you associate yourself with me? Will you align yourself with me? Will you, will you approach your life open-handed saying, God, whatever you want, that's what I want. Wherever you want me to go, that's where I want to go. And I can walk boldly into the unknown because I know that you are constant and you are there and you know my days, you know my steps. I'm not going to step anywhere where you don't want me to go, God, because I am open-handed with you. That's what I believe. That's what communion is and that's what it can be for us this morning. And so my desire for you as a church, for us as a church, is that when we go, the band's going to come up. They're going to start playing. And whenever you're ready, maybe some of you have some stuff you need to wrestle with. It's, this isn't an easy thing. It's not an easy teaching. Because some of you have your plans and you're like this and you're saying, God, you will take my plans when you wrestle them out of my cold, dead fingers. And you might not say that. I mean, you wouldn't say it. We know we wouldn't say that because we're good Christians here, right? But that's how you act. That's what your life looks like. So as you pray, as you, as you prepare your heart, I would just encourage you to say, God, what is it that I'm holding on to like this? And God, what would it mean for me to, for me to open that up? Live my life as though you're in control. And whenever you're ready, I'm going to invite you to stand. We're going to take communion together. As a church that says, God, you're in control. We want to go where you're going. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for your goodness. God, I thank you that, that we can live life of purpose and meaning, not just for the mist. God, we can, we can live life that's impactful to people. God, we can, we can live life. We can, we can be about building a kingdom that doesn't only last for a second. God, that doesn't only last for, the, for the, a beautiful sunset, no matter how beautiful it is, but it fades and people forget about it because of the night that, that follows after. But God, I praise you that we can be about building your kingdom. God, that when we shine the light that, that is for you, that that's not fading, that is not missed. God, it's, it's everlasting, it is eternal, and God, I pray that you would help us to have our lives be that, not, not whatever it is we're trying to hold on to. God, help us to live our lives, help us to see our lives correctly so that we can live for you. And, and, and God, as we go to the communion table, I pray that you bring to mind things that maybe we're holding on to. Destinations, whether it's profit, like the people that, that James is writing to, or marriage, or retirement, or whatever it is, God, I pray that you would bring those things to mind. And God, I pray that you would just help people, just, just encourage them and say, it's okay, you can let go. It's okay, you can let go of that, those health concerns. It's okay, you can, you can let go of those, of those desires for, 
the wealth. We can let go of those fears of what tomorrow might bring. Because I have you and I'm a good God and I'm there already. And I love you and I have more planned for you than just your mess. Help us, God, I pray. Praise you, it's in your name.